0: This episode of Bonfireside Chat is brought to you by all of the other fabulous shows on the Duck Feed Network. The Level, Those Damn Ross Kids, change Dirt Bags, Check Out Out Comrade, Watch Out For Fireballs, Days of Future Cast. That's one of them. The Pitch, a bunch of shows on there. Check them out at duckfeed.tv. Some of our landings were
1: desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat, it is a consumed king's favorite. <laughs> and uh this week we are reading your responses to the uh the consumed king's garden and the untended graves uh as is usual we let vati go um and we <laughs> really appreciate him uh being on the main body of the episode man that was a lot of fun
0: yeah absolutely like i i like that guy a lot um you know and it was just it was just uh it's it's there's it his stuff mm-hmm. um so and uh and quite a gentleman yeah um and and he's in Australia too so it's like scheduling this and having you know it's not uh something about australia is that it's always in an inconvenient time kind of no matter what i don't know if it's like uh, just something that you know a localized time storm in that hemisphere <laughs> or something like that but it always i always feel like it is uh, uh you know asking a lot yeah to have people kind of manage their schedules around us so i really okay. do appreciate that yeah like i appreciate everyone who wrote in as well
1: yeah we had a lot of them too
0: yeah segue 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 so we're gonna <laughs> go ahead and get uh, get started we've been recording for a while mm-hmm. um John says, uh, via contact, presumably. Um, yeah, I, I
1: just I decided to leave that off because it's always via contact.
0: Yeah, it's I've gotten in the rhythm of saying it, I, I don't, know right. I don't beat you. I'm just gonna say it just because it's kind of fun, or it's gonna slip in sometimes. Okay., uh, John says uh, via some method or other. Um, <laughs> I found many of the bosses in Dark Souls Three to not really be that challenging, even on the first run. Even the dreaded nameless King, which everyone told me was hard, and I was crapping my pants when I entered the fog door, I ended up doing solo on my second try. Fuck you. That's me editorializing. <laughs> um, I don't actually want you to fuck yourself. Uh, but two bosses that were incredibly challenging were the two invader bosses in uh, in Lothric Castle. Uh, Vort took me at least 20 attempts to get through, and I still haven't done the dancer solo. I find the dancer is like the Pontiff Knights, way too much stamina, range, and damage, which is weird because I can see the dancer not moving for a large portion of the battle, but I just can't handle it. Even with a buddy, it usually takes me around 15 tries. The Consumed King is the one boss in Dark Souls that really emulates the loss and rage that comes from grief. Maybe it's just that he is one of the few who talks during the battle. Maybe it's because I personally would never want to lose my kid, but it had a serious and unsettling effect on me. I think it using voice I think it's using voice acting to great effect.
1: Agreed. And yeah. everybody has so, those weird little weak spots, right?
0: Yeah, that's why I always say Dark Souls seeks your weaknesses, where it's like, you know, these are bosses I find easy, but I think that, you know, Nameless King is a war crime and then the (laughs) um you know and it is uh everybody has different so that's why you know that's one of the big reasons why as a show policy get good can go fuck itself because it's reductive and unhelpful (laughs) um and it doesn't actually apply to like a lot of these things because this guy is obviously good he can fight the nameless king in a second try so telling (laughs) him to get good about the dancer does not help nope
1: yeah yeah um luke says via megaphone The sight of of loads of puss of man originally scared me off of the consumed king's garden. Um, When I hit dragons in the other direction, I turned around and gathered my courage. It turned out to be a pretty small area where I got to team up with a cool smashy friend and kill my way through all of the enemies with ease. The seeth-looking part man, part dragon boss with a child named suspiciously closely to another important part human, part dragon child all seemed really interesting and important. But as much as I tried to dig deep, it seemed like one of those 40% mysteries that y'all hate so much. Still, people becoming arch trees and people becoming dragons seem like majorly recurring themes in the game, so I guess it could all just tie into the world returning to the gray age from before the cycles of light and dark. That was supposed to be phrased as a question, but I don't know how to do that. Um, (laughs) uh, The untended graves were really cool and interesting and helped reinforce the desperation of kindling the bonfires that leads to worlds uh, being converged on Lothric in a last ditch attempt. Um, neither of these areas are my favorites, but they do feel like they capture the idea of this being the very end of Dark Souls's cyclical ages of disparity. It's telling that they that they uh, uh, that they are also areas with almost no callbacks to previous games.
0: That's true, other than uh, Osiris. Yep. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't uh you know don't have too much yeah. too much to add to that. Um, no. I other than the fact that you reminded me that I'm gonna have to try to figure out why people are turning into trees. Yep, <laughs> because we're gonna have to talk about those fucking pilgrims, those sky pilgrims <laughs> next episode, and I don't have a good answer for those.
1: Neither do I. I like the idea that you know th- through through trying to evade this uh, uh, return to a lack of disparity, um, uh, people are kind of ending up becoming totems of what we saw i didn't bring that up in the main episode because it's probably just more ash lake fetishism or fetish Mm -hmm. fetishism of this kind of primordial time before the fire you know and just those are the things we know it's a bunch of trees a bunch of dragons and boy oh boy does this game have a bunch of trees and a bunch of dragons
0: yeah 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 and people turning into them but like so the yeah the dragons weren't you know yeah the dragons were the before the everything before the disparity. There was just nothing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So that wasn't dragon time. Gwyn bought dragons, so it's it's. I mean, it's it's confusing. Yeah, but we will will figure figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Boaz says via interpretive dance, um, it's a dick and a half getting to this fight, but I really like Osiris's design and concept, and especially his name. Souls has always had a way of making names evocative and poetic in a way few other games capture. The Consumed King is a fascinating title because it's wealth of implications. One thing I notice, particularly on the Dark Souls 3 wikidot, is that uh, it's supposed that Osiris is the father to the princes Lorian and Lothric. It's a pretty straightforward answer, but I want to dig a little bit. Names associated with the current royal family, Lothric, Lorian, Gertrude, are Germanic sounding. Osiris, on the other hand, sounds Greek. It doesn't match an actual Greek word, but Osios is very close and means hollowed, which fits the king's name. To me, Osiris seems like a scion of a previous dynasty, someone who got ousted uh, once he got to Scythi and was replaced with the current royal line. As a final note, he's my favorite callback to Logan uh, because it's the same obsession, but for a different reason and taken to a different end. If Osiris uh, was the game's sole callback to Logan, I would think it was fantastic and subtle as it's left uh, implicit for those with the context to understand. Unfortunately, half the game is also spent filleting Logan's long, hard catalyst. So much for subtlety. <laughs> and uh, he's referring to the fact that everything has learned from the dragon <laughs> school in Logan, yeah. uh, which does come up all the time. Yeah. The idea of this guy being the actual, the father of Lorian or Lothric, uh, and actually that king has been brought up a couple times. Um, I was just complaining on Twitter today about um, the kind of some lore theories that I have read where they talk about... Uh, You know, who actually is the king? If it's not this king, who could it be? And the frustrating thing, I don't want to name names, but like the frustrating thing about them to me is that they tend to uh, kind of zoom in on one word and then work out from there Mm -hmm. in the lore description, which like one, I'm always skeptical of people who don't allow for even great artists to have happy accidents Mm -hmm. in things like I don't think that a translated work can be said that like every single word is, uh, you know, chosen for, you know, meaning uh, in a way that like excludes synonyms so like their point was that like the the whole idea was maybe the nameless king was actually the king um, mm-hmm. because he's the son of Gwyn uh, Gwyn was never a king he was a lord so why would the nameless king be a king I'm like well those words mean the same thing and these games do a lot of trafficking in evocative the and thou type languages yeah so it doesn't you know it, it feels like a really a big stretch to base your entire kind of theory yeah, on, and there's a lot of that that kind of kind of goes out. So for my money, I think Eosiros you know, is probably the king. The naming convention thing is definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, for lack of another another king, um, you know, considering that the nameless king was named that because he is the son of a lord as opposed yeah. to being the king of of Lothric. Mm-hmm. um
1: i'll give it to osiris yeah i'm gonna give it to osiris, osiris just because of Akam or osiris's razor um yeah. it is the closest <laughs> yep. thing and just they have so much in, like so much in common between them mm-hmm. you know between lothric and osiris both of them are abdicators in you know mm-hmm. in, in 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 their own ways you know and I, I just i think that that is just like way too resonant yeah agreed
0: Yeah, um, agreed
1: So Dalton says via Midnight Press Conference, I love when Soulsborne boss fights have dialogue. It is such a rare occurrence that it always feels significant when it happens. Mikolash and Maiden Astrea come to mind as two particularly tragic examples. Mikolash feels uh, in the same vein as these, where the dialogue really makes you feel for the character, despite not having every piece of his story puzzle. It is also helped along by the superb voice acting that really conveys the troubled desperation behind his wailing. I have nothing to add to that, but totally agree. Yeah. Um, I love uh, talking bosses. <laughs> I, I, I love them, but I, I do not wish they would do it more. I just, I was just thinking that,
0: like how awful this would be if they all did it. <laughs> yep. I mean, like that's, I mean, again, it's like, a, I think that you brought it up in when we did Mikalash, that's like a Metal Gear boss, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I don't want, you know, <laughs> that much exposition in my boss fights. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't mind it, Metal Gear, but it's like, it's, this is, it's a special treat <laughs> here, you know, as opposed to, to all the time.
1: Um, which i really appreciate yeah uh voice acting is a sometimes food um one thing that i didn't mention uh so when osiris kills you he has like a little taunt like ah how quickly you slaves forget um however he will just return to that composed voice even when he's feral so i love the idea that after after you're dead like he just like stands up and brushes all the dust off of his belly and yeah "Mm gz.gif shoulder gif .gif.
0: (laughs) forward slash osiris um (laughs) yeah yeah it is uh it is it is really great also the fact that he calls you a slave is really interesting. We didn't really talk about that in the episode yeah um but uh yeah I don't know what it to is, make uh, of it <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't really know other than just it being like a general term for dismissal yeah
1: yeah <laughs> oh how quickly you
0: sheeple forget yeah yeah exactly <laughs> he's he's just a big apple fan <laughs> um or or uh, apple denier either or
1: yeah
0: like if, <laughs> if you're related to apple products you like to use the word sheeple just in either side of the the aisle it seems like yeah say it all the time. Yeah, it's uh, and, so, and so does everyone. It's just because uh, it's all just Apple's world. We're on one side of the line or another. Um, Matthew says via Amber Alert, Ocelot, wow, what a chilling battle. From the lead up to uh, lead up to the area, hearing the child cries, to seeing the Seath-like monster cradling an invisible baby, Shudder. Asiris' transformation through the fight was an amazing second phase and showed the descent of another caught up in a Lord's soul. The voice acting here was amazing, and it really drove home the point of someone twisted with obsession falling from grace. Once again, let's not refer uh, forget that this is the King of Lothric.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pitiful. He's down there. Um, there's uh this somebody. I just I, I oh, but before, so uh, Boaz, um, uh titled their uh, their email the Busy King's Garage. Yeah. Like that—that that, that was actually yeah. in the subject. It's like, oh, that's so good because he's like mm-hmm. he's down, he's, he's down in the basement, just fucking around mm-hmm. while the entire house goes to shit. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I, I want to get like a, a Brandon Bird thing of him like constructing a mechanical hand, like <laughs> that drawing of uh, Christopher Walking <laughs> making one.
1: <laughs> oh. oh man, yep. Gotta, gotta mm-hmm. love that fall from grace. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Mike says via letters burned into a football field. Firstly, fuck This guy is always a bane of my playthrough. No matter what build I'm running, I can't seem to do that much damage on him. Uh, he moves quick with little tells, uh, with little tells of his moves, and he hits like a runaway ice cream truck, uh, which sucks because the boss before this, the dancer, is one of my favorites in the Soulsborne games, and her boss weapon is uh, is in my favorite uh, in PvP. Uh, To go from such a high to such a low really kills the passing for me. Secondly, in the Dark Firelink Shrine, I had a theory about the Black Knights. While my friends thought that they were guarding the shrine, I felt that there is a much sadder tone to them. To me, they're a lot like a lost hiking group, taking shelter from a blizzard and huddled around a small fire trying to survive. Being there isn't going to do them much good, but in the age of dark i believe that there is uh that this is where they feel the safest and unconsciously went there in desperation that is just my weird theory though take it for what it's worth hmm. hey man head cannon's head cannon they're just head wandering and attacking here. folks like
0: yeah yeah like these lost hikers and their companions these <laughs> youths and their companions are uh, are gone gone stabbing. um yeah i don't uh you know i don't i don't know about that like it could be I don't know if they're necessarily guarding it either. I think they could just be drawn to it, but I also don't... It's hard for me to have that much sympathy for Black Knights, Um, partly because they're just, you know, armors. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, they they do... And they feel... I have a sense of, like, feeling like a force of nature as opposed to a character. Right. You know? Um, I also, like, I don't... Again, just Souls bosses find your weakness. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like Osiris to me is... uh, Like, maybe other than Yorm, the easiest boss in the game me. Um, like I've never died to a zeros. Yeah. Um, and I, I, just, I always end up with like, I, the last time I went into it, uh, fighting the slash Yalons on this build, I ended up with three Estes going into the fight and beat him on three Astus. Like <laughs> I find, I find it to be a very easy boss
1: fight. Yeah.
0: Um, not for necessarily reasons that I think are great because as I said, there's tends to be all kind of clipping issues.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, with it for me, but I, it never, he just doesn't end up hitting me that often. Yeah. So, yeah, but again, everybody's, uh, everybody's weakness. We're going to talk about, um, you know, as we move through, like, I have a real hard time with Soul of Cinder, which a lot of people like hard time in all senses. Like, I think it's hard and I don't like it. And I know a lot of people really love it. Um, you know, everybody's kind of got brings themselves. Yeah. These bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke says uh, via a record sent in the space to tell <laughs> aliens about our culture. Uh, while Smoldering Lake shows how disheartening and even damaging recycling can be uh, to a game. These two little areas are a showcase of just how much can be done with so little. Besides Osiris himself, there don't appear to be any new assets on show in either locale. Instead, they remix old ones in considered and compelling ways to create something entirely new. The Consumed King's Garden is a neat little short story that, to my mind, meets Gary's much-vaunted 90% rule. We would all come to the same broad conclusion about what happened based on the enemies, environments and items, but there is room enough in the imagination to make our own story. Uh, And to clarify, it's the 70% is the (laughs) the sweet spot for me. Um, Untended Graves is even lazier. A direct retread, and I have no theory to explain this timey-wimey, spacey-wafy, shifty-wifty callback to one of the game's own levels, but the ambiguity inherent uh, in the return more than compensates with woozy mystery. Like with Ash Lake, the lack of meaning here makes the level feel surreal, not vestigial. A deft feat. The masterstroke of minimalism, however, is sitting in Osiris' hands, or is it depending on your personal canon by removing the texture of the baby from the boss model, be it for censorship or for creative reasons, Miyazaki Senpai uh, made the fight so much more memorable than it would have <laughs> otherwise been. A dead baby is chilling for a moment, but as I believe Keats once said an invisible baby, whose cries still echo in your ears is the nightmare forever. <laughs> it's such a potent, uh, potent void and every interpretation of it is much more affecting than any text would have been. These aren't big expansive ideas, but they are both direct, undistracted from the stories they want to tell and moods they want to invoke. And because of that, they ended up being two of the more memorable areas for me. Less is more—a lesson I could have taken to heart while writing this letter. Very well put. Uh, yeah, agreed. I um, I do like that. I when you take away something like that, like that's such a cool part of creative work. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, that's uh, you can sometimes you can do uh, when when I was in a band um. Yeah, he played drums who was also uh, you know, a great, great musician, songwriter on his own right and was in a bunch of bands. Uh, used to do kind of lyric passes on my friend. And what he would do is he would just take out words mm-hmm. and he would invert cliches. So you just change, you know, the conclusion you come to at the end of a thing and made lyrics good. Yeah. You know, that way. And like that's a something to do. Like you just take out something.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it just, it, you know, by removing that, you strengthen it so much more. Like, you know, so much. Before you even get to the baby, so much about about Osiris is about grief and longing, right? Mm-hmm. So you know <laughs> what could underline that more than a very notable absence, at yeah. least visually, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. And the um, the cool thing too is that like you're moving through Lothric. I mean, you weren't like you were moving through this whole other story, <laughs> but when you were thinking about Lothric, the king was a big question mark. We had gotten a lot of kind of lore about what the queen could be um not a lot of it but kind of hints at it yeah. and answering it with this kind of this weird kind of dangling thing that has more questions than, than answers kind of works for me um something that uh body said in the episode that i think is kind of potent was that like there's the question of whether ocelot's real there's a question of like what that means but there's also the question of whether it uh she's important mm-hmm and I think the answer to that might be no. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think that uh, Ocelot actually is very important to the story. It So it isolates that emotionalism. Yeah. You know, the fact that ha- they don't have to have this tie to, like, what does Ocelot mean to the cosmology of, like, linking the fire of the soul of cinders. It can just be this sad little short story. Yeah. It doesn't have any kind of narrative weight on it. Yeah, and uh, that doesn't always work, but I think it works here. Again, it's that 70% mark. <laughs> that's the golden you know, the golden uh, ratio.
1: Yeah. You know, if it doesn't have to connect anything else and make any sense or affect something larger, it can just be a dead child, a failed experiment and a meaningless sacrifice.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Randy says via Morse code, tapped desperately into the side of us, into the hull of a sinking submarine. As I somehow remain completely unspoiled about the area, the untended graves proved to be quite the surprise for me. Following immediately after the drastically, the drastically low point that was Uncle Deadly's Toilet Town Tree Swamp, this shadow. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, that's Uncle Deadly, I didn't think about that, but he does look like Uncle Deadly. Who's Uncle you know, Deadly? You know, uh, he's a real weird Muppet. Okay, all right, uh, yeah,
1: um, uh, I'm sure I'd well, recognize him if I saw him. I just can't put. The I mean,
0: name. Uh, maybe not. Like he doesn't show up that often. Uh, Uncle Deadly. Is, I mean, he's called Uncle Deadly. He's a very weird <laughs>
1: Muppet. So. Well, now I have yeah. to look him up. Come on. Uh, oh, <laughs> images.
0: At town tree swamp. oh,
1: I recognize him. Yeah, he's got those creepy, yeah. sunken, glowing eyes. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. just like this looks like a like a early 80s, like a dark crystal labyrinth kind of creation. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Except he hung out with Kermit mm.
1: like, <laughs> and didn't just like you know uh, steam the
0: flesh off his bones which is what you would expect
1: (laughs) based on his whole steez yeah Um, no i just thought that uh, i thought that randy was being uh, evocative here
0: yeah i think i mean still he is a great turn of phrase
1: following immediately after the drastically low point that was uncle deadly's toilet town tree swamp this shadowy mystery area uh mystery of an area was a real treat the slow realization of what this place actually is That burgeoning sense of vague familiarity softly peeling into view as I stalked those dusty paths was reminiscent of my first visit to the abandoned old workshop and the sensation of stumbling across such a thing. The sudden reappearance of an area ludically prescribed as a house of safety, corrupted by a fog of silence and disuse, served to both subtly unnerve and quietly remind me of how far I had come in this journey. In a game of callbacks, an inward reversive call, or recursive callback stands out. Also, this area does the thing that my favorite soul stuff does well. It stokes the imagination. I have no fucking clue what the significance of this area is. I have my theories, of course, but that's all they are. Perhaps this is just the true visage of the Cemetery of Ash and the brightly lit haven that we know as some sort of dreamlike Valhallaulon, where potent souls gather or are sent. Perhaps the Cemetery of Ash is in some sort of past, long before the flame has all but gone out, and the Firekeeper is sending you to Lothric in its 11th hour, when the chance for your success is greatest. Honestly, I'm still, this, I'm still undecided upon the main thrust of what's actually happening in the game, all in all, but I do wonder why the graves most untended are so damn dark, when just before, we had been treated to the lovely Twig Butterfly Sunset. Are they perhaps underground and the cemetery of ashes lofty cloud-like surroundings are an illusion or a dream? It all gets a little too timey-wimey, wacey dreamy dreamy mey and confergy-wurgy to really allow myself to truly settle on this or any other explanation. But for me, amidst a field of unsatisfying answers to unasked questions, a little mystery goes a long way.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't have any answers or anything for that second part either.
1: Nope. I really you know, don't.
0: It's like, <laughs> I don't think it's underground. I, I think that the the iconography of the entirely black sky has been communicated over the course of the series enough you to know. be to be the dark, you know, in, in one way or another, to either be the abyss or, or the dark mm-hmm. kind of tinged. But uh, other than that, um, two things that uh, in the first part, though, that I want to bring up is like, one, um, we didn't bring it, talk about the parallel with the abandoned old workshop. No. But that is uh, kind of the immediate precedent. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this and was also awesome in a
1: similar way an amazing just just an amazing moment
0: i think that the reason you know the way that uh and they're actually very similar like you teleport out of your base version you know your prime version of it and you find Mm -hmm. a a real one in the real world i think the reason why the comparison didn't immediately pop out to me uh is because of that abyssal nature Mm -hmm. you know like the abandoned old workshop is of a Peace with the world it's connected to. This mm-hmm. actually kind of brings that into question. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to take like, a minor amount of issue though is that like it is an area that is ludically kind of communicated to be as safe, um, but the actual untended graves uh, is kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Like in our in rush to talk about the more interesting lore stuff, we didn't really talk about the encounters. And it's a lot of those uh, pretty tricky skeleton. Uh, the, I don't uh, know exactly the Cathedral yeah. Grave
1: Wardens. The uh, the, yeah. very, the very quick uh, um lawns. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and the invasion is no joke. Um, and even the just kind of uh, the hollows you find outside of Gundyr are tougher mm-hmm. than usual. So it's not that tricky, but it's significantly trickier than than it was. Yeah. And that always makes me wish that they had just left an area without
1: enemies
0: (laughs) Like walking through this thing entirely silently or maybe just have the one you know the corvian encounter Which is an awesome set piece, but Mm -hmm. just walking through this and having it be empty would have been have so much more impact than
1: Having to stop and fight things. (laughs) Yeah, especially the 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 D &D party outside the uh, the gundergate Yeah, Um, man that that stopped me up a lot. Actually, I'm, I'm so glad that
0: that all those people in gundergate have finally moved on yeah well, I mean they've yeah.
1: just they've just been embraced by the uh, by the serpent, right?
0: yeah, the dark yeah. <laughs> um, Milo in the dark. Um, Emily says be a great American novel. Uh, getting into the world of full contact medieval combat. How do you consistently be the coolest person that I've never met? Um, Getting into the world of full contact uh, medieval combat, I've met a few veteran fighters who are nothing less than massive wrecking balls. They exhibit a physical prowess and confidence honed by years of experience and hard training, but also a mental obtuseness forged by decades of concussions. For me, that's Champion Gunder, an indomitable meathead too dense to recognize that his game was rigged from the start. I imagined him pouring his heart and soul into training to be the best fire linking champion possible, not realizing all that muscle would be worthless against a betrayal from within. Before his age of dark, fighting was all Gundir did. Now, fighting is all he'll ever do for the rest of his immortal existence. A bleak fate so very fitting to a Souls game.
1: I love everything about this letter.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty into that. <laughs> um, man, did like do did some Emily fan fiction. I <laughs> heard like, you know, fighting off medieval uh medieval veteran fighters yep. in full contact uh medieval combat oh man
1: yeah yeah tell me more oh. about this emily we, we we don't have to read it on the air i just want to hear more, more yeah more just i mean in slack
0: yeah um that's fantastic <laughs> yeah uh and it is also uh that is a great characterization yeah of this character when we first talked about uh gunder we talked about his uh resemblance to uh old king dorian right a little bit
1: yeah the fact that they I wonder that if, they use the yeah. halberd and stuff like that
0: And same like very similar helmet, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of look, look the same. And I was wondering if there was anything that might be reflectant in, but we just know so little about old King Doran that like, yeah,
1: there's not really, all that we have is that they're implacable and they're meant to be guardians of, you know, something that is deemed to be, um, either very powerful or very dangerous. Yeah. 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 Um, Matthew says via puffy paint and glitter, uh, would it be wrong to say that the Firelink shrine we use as a hub isn't the real one? It could be in the past or it could be another reality, I can't say for sure, but we have to teleport to and from it. We never actually leave it on foot unless we want to revisit the Cemetery of Ash. On the other hand, the untended graves and the disused Firelink housed within are actually physically connected to the rest of the game world. Uh, These reasons lead me to trust in my assumption that hub Firelink is either not real or from a different time period altogether. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we covered we covered a lot of that. I wanted to make sure that if somehow none of that was addressed, that was somehow brought up. But yeah, like just those those are very. I mean those those are the questions, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it it clearly has an effect. Like people get teleported to um, Hub Firelink, Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where people people end up. Um, Things that we do in Hub Firelink have an effect on the world, presumably you know because that's where we ultimately will put all the lords
1: in their throne yeah. and go fight a soul of disappointment <laughs> but like I, so you know. i I need to go like rescue Yol, like find the first person that i can that i can work back because the thing we said way back earlier tonight at the beginning of the mm-hmm. episode about the teleportation pattern like the sigil that uh pops up under you
0: it's uh, yeah it's not the same i don't think fuck i think you yeah, do, yeah that would have been i mean that would have been interesting if like you know, yeah. a, a Lothric did it. Yeah. I've but I said this think is it's, some
1: kind of grand, you know, grand deception.
0: I think they just kind of fade away. Yeah. If I recall, it is a different like that. That ring teleport thing is uh, is unique to Lothric as right. far as I as far as I know. Or Lothric, like the kingdom, not Lothric, the character necessarily. Mm-hmm. Since uh,
1: since the the lady yeah. can do it. This is my son, New York. Hi.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is is uh, is it or it could be his son, I guess, is York. <laughs> the, uh, that, that, would, that would make sense um, uh, Finally uh, Doug says uh, Via hackneyed bit that we're going to stop doing Yep <laughs> Um, A lot of the lore <laughs> supposition about Dark Firelink Has been that this dark world Is an alternate past or future Where the fire was not linked There's conflicting evidence for both But seemingly it cannot be the past and future Even under the most convergy-wergy interpretations But what if it is neither uh, For me the clue came from Ludleth has some obscure dialogue which can be found if he is killed after he returns he shudders and cries out in pain uh implicitly about being trapped in the nightmare of the unending fire cycle german had some similar hidden dialogue along these lines in bloodborne and it got me thinking what if ludlith uh, took some action to manipulate events to end the cycle uh, he claims to have hidden the Firekeeper's eyes saying we did all we could to spare her from them he also says that because of what the eyes show he willed himself to paint a new vision the eyes are behind an illusory wall behind Champion Gundir in a world which itself is behind an illusory wall in the garden, a strange location for it to be. Perhaps it is neither the past nor the future. Perhaps when Lulith says he painted a new vision, perhaps he literally painted this world based on the real Cemetery of Ash and Firelink Shrine in a place he thought only an Enkindled could reach. His guidance is thus a subtle way of influencing the player towards any outcome that does not invoke relinking the fire. Um, I mean, he seems he's fine with you relinking the fire, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other parts of it, like it could be him. You know, that's what I kind of what I mean when I talk about it being an alternate, like a pocket dimension or an alternate reality. Like a a painting would be a similar kind of thing Mm -hmm. to that. Um, You know, that's what paintings are in these games is like an alternate kind of pocket dimension. Yeah. Um, That's something I do entertain. Um, I don't know if that motivation uh, is necessarily correct. But. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, definitely could be. That is, uh, that's something I've seen before and is, is uh, worthy of consideration for sure mm-hmm. um, in relation to this. Yeah. Something I, I, I can't remember if i talked about on the show or just on Twitter or Slack. Um, one of the things that is frustrating to me is the way that like timey-wimey, convergy-wurgy-ness worked its way from what in Dark Souls 1 was a gameplay multiplayer soapstone consideration mm-hmm. to something that we can actually use to paper over plot things. Yep. Because in Dark Souls 1, the... The only things that are kind of, you know, the the, the flow of time being odd in in Ren, mm-hmm. um was just introduced Sol- by Solaire, who is a character who we were introduced to just more or less to explain multiplayer to us, you mm-hmm. know, um, and to have a multiplayer component. And it somehow worked its way into the single player kind of exploration of the explanation of the world. And yeah. we're as guilty of it as anyone. Like we talked about that shit all the time in in all seasons of the show but yeah it does like once you kind of introduce that there's an element of like once something can just be hand waved away that quickly yeah um it kind
1: of becomes less satisfying at a certain point you stop you stop trying to close a gap by that just kind of like oh just like you know just if there's if there's something we don't understand you know we can just kind of close that by saying there's there are things about the way that you know, there, there are assumptions that we cannot make about the way this world works. And so, you know, just if there's something unsatisfying, it's almost like, you know, wizard did it or Aldia did it or any of those cliches that we end up going after when that gaps, when that gap gets so wide, it becomes almost like they didn't feel like exercising the rigor to make this thing be internally consistent.
0: Yes. Yeah. It just, it just has that feeling to it with a thing that we've all taken, you know, again, we're as guilty as of any, as anyone we've been to just kind of be a a grander statement on the world. That was literally just, you know, uh, something that was to explain why invasions can happen and why co-op can happen. Mm -hmm. You know, like a game is, it's a weird, it's those intersections between gameplay and narrative that, uh, you know, something could be purely a gameplay explanation, but because of the way the story was told, people were reaching into that to find explanations for the narrative. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I kind of wish it, it wasn't, you know, Um, And I don't know if that's always been the case or if that's was, you know, who can read intense into the people who make made these. I don't know what it actually is, but it has made discussing this uh, at times, you know, you know, better, but at other times kind of worse and more annoying, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just about the source material. We work with what's there. Um, Yeah. And again, just it's it's all about the gaps. When I say discussing is more annoying, I'm not calling out Doug no by that, by no case. it's so just no,
0: like we again we do it all the time and it's also you know every like everyone does it yeah and, and discusses just about that
1: what we're noticing is that we're doing with more with more and more frequency and for kind of more important stuff yeah you know how can we explain this great hero from long ago you know and logan who shows up on a psycho just shit's a little weird sometimes um yeah you know all the way down to Like, what is the cosmology of this place and where, where do my actions actually fit? You know, it it makes for like kind of an,
0: like, I find that with a lot of narratives that have this element of just kind of things are weird. So who knows when, what order things happen in doesn't feel additive to me usually. Yeah. Like it does kind of feel like it's something that was added after the fact to paper over to do, and maybe it's sometimes it's in service of something cool that is, you know, you're buying something that's worth it. you know like sure exactly you know like uh you you it's worth it because you get to tell this kind of story by doing that and having this kind of non non non-linear non-spatial uh relationship between things Mm -hmm. but the actual non-linear non-spatial part is not the cool part to me right it's it's what you can sometimes do uh with that Mm -hmm. here where like a lot of that it comes up more in interpretation than it does than characters ever say it you know, here it just ends up being. I don't know that it's necessarily additive.
1: Yeah. So, and if it took that away, if you took that excuse away, you would just come up with something that is disjointed and doesn't make very much sense, and you know would contradict itself.
0: Yeah, it um, would. It would be incomprehensible. Turn. Yeah. You know, like it, it's like we've grown to depend on it. Yeah. Like there, like I, you can almost say that like there wouldn't be this kind of cottage lore industry. Without people being able to say "timey wimey, spacey wacy, times convoluted and order mm-hmm. and things like that," um, but you know, it's it's just really important to kind of remember. Uh, like, I don't. I think that it was literally in Demon Souls. I think that that's just that it's a developer message. Mm-hmm. You know, like a develop like it says that this thing, and then in Dark Souls One, it is a character, so it makes it part of the text. But it was also a character that is kind of part tutorial. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah. So we we got interesting times coming up on these last uh, these last couple episodes <laughs> because yeah. uh, we're going to get to that ending, and that's going to be a fun one to talk about and a fun one to have everybody kind of response and get their their two cents in.
1: Yeah. Um, very uncertain. I'm even more uncertain. Yeah. I mean, blood bloodborne is pretty straightforward. I'm I'm more uncertain than, than than I have been in the past, and I'm comfortable with that. Like I'm fine being uncertain especially as so many of the pieces are still in the air you know like it's i
0: yeah it's it's gonna a lot of it's gonna depend on the dlc stuff for me because i'm i'm uncertain but the part the things i'm certain about i don't like Mm -hmm. you know so it's not um it's not even a question of it not fitting for some of these things it's it's not the uncertainty it's so much as just like oh that's what that is like yeah you know, I have that feeling about, about the ending, and 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 we'll get to it, and things could recontextualize it with DLC yep. and stuff. But I'd be inter- I'm going to be interested in reading other people's kind of take on it, whether these same things that, like, if they came to the same conclusions, and if they did, if these conclusions worked for them in a way they didn't for me. Um, but, like, luckily we're a little ways away from that, because before that we have to do Lothric Castle, which is a cool level. Mm-hmm. Um, It's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, If you have things to say about Lothric, oh, you know what? Real quick. Um, via special request, via my ask FM quick shout out to illusory wall, uh, because there has been a, uh, return to Lordran event, PVP event, Mm. and he has been going crazy spawning vagrants. Uh, and somebody specifically was like, Hey, can you give him a shout out for this? And I was like, well, you know, I I will always, uh, you know, I I like that guy a lot. He does really good work. Uh Happy to shout him out. I don't know that the person who asked me that if they knew that he's been on the show and that we're already like fans of his but what a cool fun thing to do and he's been going on uh going on the the wiki and explaining the mechanics of it and how to do it um he's got it kind of down to a science so he's been if you do this return to lordian event um you're gonna see vagrants and the like because he's making them happen oh do we know what platform he's doing that on uh nope fuck but i'm sure if you find him uh which you should you find him on twitter um or search him out you'll be able to find yeah that information
1: good on you for going and making everybody's world a little bit more magical
0: yeah <laughs> mandor i miss vagrants yeah or something to that that level of luridness. right yeah um yeah so i'm glad i remember that though i almost forgot
1: yeah good catch yeah mm-hmm. i so that's that's all the responses thank you everybody if you want to write in about uh lothric castle up through uh the uh the dragon slayer armor uh, and that kind of whole thing there. Uh, go to duckvtv slash contact. Um, change the, uh, the 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 site a little bit and all of this as we kind of reshuffle things. Thanks for understanding about the SoundCloud kind of stuff. Uh, just... Uh, large amounts of back end work going on right now, but it's all uh, for the better uh, and to get you a better thing. Um so so yeah uh the URL for the show right now, at least temporarily, is bonfireside.chat, but all of this can be found through dark uh, uh dark blah duckfeed.tv. Darkfeed.tv. Mm, is that available? Uh, I like Darkfeed. <laughs> um
0: if you have anything to say about uh, Lothric Castle, go to Duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. That is the place where you're gonna to want to stick your response. Yeah. And we really appreciate that. Um, other than that, usual stuff. So uh ratings, reviews, um, patreon.com forward
1: slash darkfeed TV. Yeah. All of that, yeah. um, I think that's everything. We've been recording for a while, which is what we, mm-hmm. what we always say now nowadays. Um yep. I don't know if we have any deleted scenes, so please save yep. his soul. Please save his soul, umbasa. Umbasa. Gary DarkFeed.tv is available.
0: Yay! That's
1: pretty good. <laughs> want, want me to snag it up?
0: Um, I mean, if it's if it's you know negligible cost, it's not. Like okay, probably probably not. Okay. Um, okay. I'm gonna go watch. Uh, we'll do some improv. Oh, cool! Have fun. Um, yeah. If I, if like I said, I'll probably edit this late tomorrow okay. after work or on
1: Saturday. Um, uh, <clears throat> I'll probably get this to you over my lunch break, so like you'll have it by the time you wake up. Likely, Kay. if not, it'll be in the afternoon. So. That works. All right. Um, all right, dude. I will. Uh, I will talk to you later. Later. Have a good night. All right. Bye. Bye. And we all pray that we will have far more soon.